What a joy to be with you uh, later today in a few hours. Uh, we are going to be entering 2023. And the older I get, the more those numbers matter. Uh, 2022 for us as a church uh, was a base camp year. It was a strategic year for us as a church uh, just to pause in our journey. Uh, our pause was about regrounding ourselves and what it means, what it looks like to be growing forward, sent forward people for God's glory and to do that together on mission and what that looks like. And, and over this year, each of the sermon series that we had, a unique year, we did some looking back, we did some looking ahead, we brought it back to the cross or this last series here in December, bringing it back to the birth of Christ and then taking all of that and really bringing it into the context of our here and now and what's going on and how that matters as we seek to be people who are not only pointing other people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God, but living as people who are in a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. And it's been in that reality that we are doing this together and in that reality of looking back and looking forward together, there is just this thing, this realization, I hope you've picked it up over this year, this reality that we live in the in-between. That sounds like a stranger thing statement. But we live in the in-between. Uh, we live in the in-between of the Godhead's bookends of redemptive history. Uh, it's not Genesis 1 through 3 today. That was a bookend that happened. It's also not Revelation 20 to 22 today. That's a bookend that yet is coming. We live in this in-between. And, and I'm telling you, I am absolutely convinced that if you and I don't understand the whole big story of it all from the beginning to the end and that we live in the current, we're not going to understand our stories now. We're not going to understand why we are here. We're not going to understand what we are to be doing while we're here. And we aren't going to understand where all of this is going in that. And so this year is trying to help center ourselves and set ourselves in this journey of in the between. And in this reality, know this, we can't go back. We can't go back. By the way, we can't just sit in the present either. It just doesn't work that way. 2023 is coming whether we want it to or not. It is coming. It's here in a few hours. And I'll just say this as well. We were designed and called by God to be people who are always looking forward, moving forward. That's to be in our DNA. It's not Genesis 1 through 3 today. It's not Revelation 20 to 22 today. And I'm going to say this as well. Today, it's not 1960. It's not 1990. And thank the Lord, it's not 2020. By the way, I'm also going to say this. It's not 2030 today. It's not 2050 today. It's not 2070 today. Right now, in this moment, we are living in Saturday, December 31st, 2022. And here in a little bit, it's going to be Sunday, January 1st, 2023. It's coming, and we are to live in the forward. And with this reality of it, of moving into a new year, there's a question that lingers. How are you, how am I, how are we going to enter this year? 
How are we going to enter it? Because it's coming. I've been pondering that question a lot this week. Two passages have come to mind. The first I just want to make reference for. Don't turn there, just listen. It's in Philippians chapter 3. And the Apostle Paul says this. Brothers, sisters, by the way, he's speaking to redeemed followers of Christ who are in the church in Philippi. He's speaking to believers. And he says, brothers, sisters, I do not consider that I have made becoming more like Christ my own, but one thing I do. One thing. It's forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. He then says, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing I do. Forgetting what's behind. And for some of us, 2022 may be, thank the Lord for that. But pressing to what's ahead. And certainly in the context of Philippians 3, Paul is talking about his maturing in Christ. He's talking about him increasingly growing forward in Christ and increasingly living sent forward in Christ. That is certainly in the context. But but it brings me to another text because he talks about this prize. And there is a a prize that Paul is pointing us to. And friends, it's, it's the ultimate prize. And I want to put it before us. So if you would, would you open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20? Revelation 20. We're going to be in 20, 21, and 22. I don't need to give you a page. Go to the end. Just go to the end. Uh, We've been tracing the thread of light through Scripture this month. Um, And I just want for us in this, as we spend this time here in this text, To know that uh, light is a thread that carries in it. All the way from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22. At creation, God spoke light into existence. And then light became a term in Scripture that's referring to God, to his people, and to life with the Lord. Light then becomes a term that's made in reference to the coming Messiah, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, who will be the light of the world. And then last Saturday, we went and we saw how uh, that light entered as Emmanuel, including every aspect uh, of his coming has this essence and theme of light to it because the light has come. And here we come to this last chapters of God's word and we see light again. Friends, I'm just telling you, we are about to behold the ultimate prize that Paul's referencing. It's the ultimate prize. It is the prize that should drive our lives. It is the prize that should drive our lives. And as we look forward to 2023 and beyond, this prize is the prize that our eyes need to be on. And it's crazy, awesome. Buckle up for the next few minutes. Revelation 20, I'm going to start in verse 11. The Apostle John is talking here, and he says, Then I saw, and then I saw a great white 
throne and him. I saw a great white throne and him who is seated on that throne. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to uh, what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life... um, he, she was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. Every finish line has a reckoning to it. Every finish line has a reckoning to it. You may receive a medal for participating. You know, you sign up for a 5K or a 10K or a mini marathon or a marathon, and you know, everybody who participates gets a medal. But know this, that medal is the participant Award. It is not the prize. It is not the winner's prize. That's just a participant award. And we may wish that everyone would, would get the winner's prize, but, but let's just be real. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. Not everyone gets on the podium. And the story we live in begins with the reality, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, that we are all drowning in a huge sin problem. We're all drowning in a huge sin problem. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And that huge sin problem is a big problem before a holy God. But Doug, God is love. I know God is love and God is holy. Yeah, but I like the love better than the holy. Can't do it that way. We can't create our own God. God is holy and love. The fact of the matter is everyone will stand before a holy God and they have a big boatload of a sin problem that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Thanks, Adam and Eve, but we would have done the same. And that sin problem before a holy God is a thing that has to be reckoned. And yet the love of God does not leave us in that situation without any hope or help. I could say it this way. The the story after Genesis 3 is that God floated a lifeboat called the work of Christ. And in our drowning and our sin problem, there is a lifeboat. And that lifeboat is crying out, come, 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 come. Let the work of Christ cover your sin problem. And, And for all who call out, It is called being redeemed, saved, pulled out. But for all who are like, hey, not my thing, Uh, not interested, good for you, not for me. I got this on my own, I'll work it out myself. Hey, you have the right to choose. You have the right to choose. But every finish line has a reckoning to it. That's just being real. I want for you to know I am not in a hellfire brimstone mood at all. I'm just pointing to the text. 
And if you don't know that you know that you know, I love you enough to be real about this truth that God says, because you're drowning in sin. The lifeboat is made available to all who would cry out. Oh God, don't, don't drown, friend. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And this is the testimony that God has given eternal life and this life is in his son and he or she who has the son has life written in the book. He or she who does not have the son does not have life. This is the you are loved reality. God's floated a lifeboat. Can I hear like a thank you God? Life has a reckoning reality to it. Chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold! The dwelling place of God, it's, it's the tabernacling place of God, the tenting place of God is with man. No more separation. It is with now. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Prize, prize friend. And he will wipe away, he will erase away every tear from their eyes. Oh, thank God. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. (laughs) That's where we're at now. Thank you. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. By the way, not refurbished from Amazon. (laughs) New. Brand spanking, awesome, crazy, wonderful, new prize. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, keep that in mind. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Oh, that's a big deal. You don't earn it, friend. It's grace. Whoever would come. Verse 7, the one who conquers, keep that in mind for later, uh, will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. She will be my daughter. But as for the cowardly, 
as for the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. By the way, this is a list that pulls together everything that Revelate, the book of Revelation has been talking about from the book together. And this is not like uh, our own daily struggle with some of these things. This is the essence of the life depravity of a person without Christ. Verse nine, and then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come. By the way, that's a huge statement because it's not stay away. It's not you annoy me. It's not I'm tired of you, bored of you, annoyed by you, frustrated by you. It's come. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a gray high mountain, showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. You see, it had a great high wall and 12 gates and the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed on the east gate three, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates. By the way, I am seeing no allegory in any of this. I'm not seeing allegorical, fanciful talk about, uh, I'm giving you a picture, but it's something altogether different. This is real. This is what he is seeing for real, friends. Buckle up, because if you're redeemed in Christ, going to be there. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Verse 15, and the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square. It's linked the same as its width. Here we go, engineers. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. You can see below how big that is. I believe it's like 1,380 miles, if I remember right. Its length and width and height are all equal. Uh, He also measured its walls, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. I don't get that one, but it's just cool. (laughs) The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. Why is he telling us all this? Answer, that we would get cranked up. That's why. This is the new home, friends. This is the new home and it's paid for. No mortgage. Thank God. And the wall, verse 18, was built of jasper while the city, pure gold like clear glass. That's a different kind of gold. And then the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the streets of the city were pure gold, like transparent glass. Verse 22, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the lamb. There's no need of a representative place anymore. There's no need of something like to enter into and be reminded and to have illustrated before us what life with God is like having a holy of holies, like back in the separation of that. You see, in this, all that is gone now because God, the Godhead, is there with. 
No representations anymore. Let's do the real deal. God with his redeemed. Verse 23, in the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. Hey, last Saturday we talked about with the manger scene and the shepherds, the angel, and then the angels show up and it says that the glory of God shone all around it. It peri lampadoed up. It lamped it up all around. Here we go. It's doing the same thing. We don't need light switches. Sorry, electricians don't need you anymore. Because the glory of God lights it up. And its gates will, I'm sorry, verse 24, by its light the nations will walk, the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory, the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, there are no, the gates don't have to be shut because everything's taken care of and there will be no wickedness coming in. And then the angel, chapter 22, showed me the river of the water of life. It was already referred to back in chapter 21, uh, verse 6. The water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. you got to picture this. And through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants, his doulos will worship worship him, prize, and they will see his face, prize, and his name will be on their foreheads, tattoo prize, and night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will will reign forever and ever. Prize. Maybe you're tired right now. Maybe life has just been heavy right now over this last year. I am the prize. Eyes on the prize. And so what are we to do with this? Look at verse 17, chapter 22. The spirit of the bride... The spirit and the bride say, what? Come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Two calls here. 
I think that is happening out of the whole book of Revelation and where it's coming down to. First of all, the book of Revelation is really written to seven churches. I think it's more epistolary than, than we generally think. You think of all this apocalyptic stuff, but I think it's crazy epistolary. It's, it's being, uh, in chapters two and three, it's talking about these seven churches that are there. These are God's people. God's people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And in the beginning of the book, um, uh, there is a call to those people. And, and then the, the book unfolds out of that. And I think for them, it is first oriented, the book of Revelation is first to help them in their reality at the time. There are seven churches. Five of those churches are struggling with the Lord, and Jesus has some words to say to them. Two of them are on track. Actually, the two that are on track are really struggling and having a hard time because of persecution and hard things. Sardis and Philadelphia. And, and what better motivation... to those who are faithful in the Lord and yet tired. To go press on, keep on. It's worth it, it's worth it because here's the prize. Oh friend, if this year you've been growing in Christ and the Lord is using you in your home and your friends and around, oh, oh uh, don't, don't, don't sit, don't, don't stay back, uh, continue on because the Lord wants to do, because the prize is ahead and it drives. Five of those churches, though, our name is having some issues. To the believers in Ephesus, you have abandoned the love you first had. Come back. Come back. To those who are thirsty, come. To believers in Pergamum, you have some who hold to the teaching of Balaam. But listen, come back. Come back. Thirst for the Lord again. To those in Thyatira, uh, Thyatira uh, you tolerate immorality. No, no, no. Come back. To those in Sardis, your works are dead. Wake up. Come back. To those in Laodicea, you are lukewarm. Come back. Because here's the prize. And the Lord says, Come. Come. Not get away from me, not you're annoying. Come, thirst, here. There's a prize. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha, will you sit down and abide with me? Paul, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to lies ahead, I press to the goal for the prize. Listen, friends, the prize for 2023 isn't more comfort and isn't more cash. It's more of Christ. Maybe you're here today, secondly, and you don't know where you stand with the Lord. Maybe you don't know if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I just want to note this. Every key relationship has a starting point to it. And it's no different with the Lord. Your birth certificate, it has a starting date on it. Your marriage license, it has a starting date on it. Your Costco membership 
has a starting date on it. Mine does. And the book of life has a starting date to it. And if there's never been a time where you've cried out for the work of Christ's lifeboat to pull you out of your condition, oh friend, come. Without price. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, come. Does the Lamb's book of life have your name written on it with a starting date? If not, come and take without price. Lord, I want this to sit for a bit. So even in the time that we have coming to to pray together, I, I just pray right now, God, that you would be encouraging those who are your own that we live in the in-between and yet forward is the prize of maturity in Christ and the prize of eternity with you. I pray you might spur us on. Maybe some need to thirst again. Lord, maybe there's some in this room who don't know their condition before you. God, I pray in this room, on this evening, that they would cry out to you in their own words, admitting that they're sinners separated from you and receiving the work of Christ to redeem them out of their drowning situation. And friend, do that right now. And it's not for a moment, it's for a life course change. And in it, God, do a work in our lives, I pray. Amen.